All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Hey everybody, welcome back. Well, welcome. If you haven't been here before, welcome to Dropping the Gloves. Not a very loud interview. I'm being quiet, Tim. It's nighttime. It's Tuesday night. The kids just went down. We just got back from a baseball party. It was just, you know, it's late. We had burgers outside. It was great. So we're being quiet. I'm in my wife's closet. We're going to be very quiet, very subdued, no yelling. I'm going to rely on these new fancy microphones we have. So, hey, everybody, welcome, Tim Wurzberger. Great to have you back. How you doing? Thank you, John, for having me. It sounds like you had a fun night. You're always doing fun stuff. The kids are just bringing you around and forcing you to interact with other parents. And Oh, no, I don't interact at all. That, that's where <laughs> you're wrong. I go and other parents say hi, and I go, how you doing? And I keep on moving. I went right to the cooler, grabbed a drink, and I just sat there, and I talked to the two people that I knew already. And then I talked to my wife, and then I walked over by the kids, and I said, hasta luego, let's get out of here, see you manana, have a good summer. And that's what no, that's how it was. No sustained eye contact, no, no windows of opportunity to engage with you? Well, you know what I mean? Here's, here's my thing. I am friendly when I want to be friendly. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, I, I don't like talking to people I don't know. And, and I know people there. I know I like them. I know I can to have a good conversation with them. If I see someone I don't know, it's like, I don't want to talk to you. I'm, I'm, I'm not that good when it comes to like being in a situation where I'm not forced to talk to somebody. If it's between, you know, a fork in the road between talking to a stranger and not talking to a stranger, I'm crossing the road. You know what I mean? I'm not talking to you. I don't know. That's it's just how I am. The first time we met, you didn't want to talk to me. Yeah, still don't. <laughs> no, I, no, I do. Now that I know you, now that I, we have things in common, I know we could have a good conversation. It's, it, that's one of my faults. It is what it is. Maybe it's because I just was forced to talk to people because of hockey for years and years and years. And then I know a lot of people aren't interesting. And it's just like, I have nothing to talk to you about. I'm here with my kids. I'm not going to be here long. We're not going to be lifelong friends. <clears throat> it's It's not nice of me. It really isn't. And I know it's a fault that I have, but you know, nobody's perfect, Tim. So, yeah, it was a good night, but I just, you know, I'm not making new lifelong friends every day, everywhere I go. That's okay. You don't have to. You have me. But, but that being said, if someone were to approach me and be like, hey, how's it going? Nice to meet you. This is my daughter. 
I would talk to that person. I would try to get to know them. I would try to strike up, you know, some, you know, similarities we have, we can chat and maybe we do turn into friends, but I'm not going to take that first step. You know, I'm not going to go over like, Hey, uh, old Tammy got a hit. Good for her. She, her swings coming around. No, no, thanks. Like it's funny at the baseball games, everybody's in the bleachers. Everybody's like palling around each other. They like sitting close to each other. I go as far as far away as I can. And I literally sit in the outfield almost. I put the blanket down. I put my lawn chair down. The kids play in the blanket. I sit in my lawn chair and I watch the baseball game. Everyone must think I'm some miserable old man because I just cross my legs. I don't look at anybody. I don't try to catch anybody's eye. I just watch the game, take care of my kids, pack up after the game, collect my kids, and away we go. Coach is like, practice is on Monday and Wednesday. I'm like, I'll see you at the game. We're not going to practice. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we did. We did how, do one, one practice. We just did all games. How many of those parents know who you are? Because I'm wondering, I'm, like, do they think you're just like some standoffish kind of well, you know, celebrity? Or do think you're just kind of like a weird dad that keeps to himself? I, don't, I have no idea. I, I haven't talked to them to figure it out. I'm, I'm sure maybe they know. I don't know. I will never know. And maybe I, yeah, maybe I'm the standoffish jerk ex hockey player and that's fine. I don't care. You know, I, I go, I watch my kids play ball and I get out of there. I got, you know what I mean? I have enough friends. I don't need a lot of friends. I have like, I think five or six good friends that I talk to on a regular basis. Maybe that's enough for me. I don't need to be Mr. Popular. I, I, I live that life. I'm good with just a you, well, I don't know. You're you're single. You're young. Do you go out and like got to meet as many friends as possible? Uh, that's not really the attitude I have. It usually ends up happening, but it's hard. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're so humble. Well, when I moved to Traverse City, I didn't know anybody. I didn't have any friends. I had I moved here just knowing my aunt and uncle and my two youngest cousins, but I didn't know anyone. Everyone I met was either through work. Or like I forced myself to get involved in different things, like joining the the men's Catholic group, joining the hockey league and the young professional networking group and just meeting people. And I've been here for three years. And I mean, obviously you and I are friends, but other than that, I have like one really close friend that I, that I hang out with like on the weekends. And that's about it. You got two you know? friends in three years. Yeah. No, I couldn't even pull off one friend a year. That's no, you have a, well, I guess a lot of your friends were worked up in your work and you quit. And so that's well, where a lot of your friends kind of fell. All my friends are, I mean, most of them are back in Boston. So do you talk to them a lot or no? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Through text and group chats and nonsense like that. But um, we've done a couple of like zoom catch ups and stuff, but they're all home, but they're all like, I got two of them are married. One of them's got a kid on the way. They all have houses and one of the ones getting married in December and I'm just doing my thing out in Michigan. So let's let's dive in a lot. I think that's interesting. We'll get to the hockey talk later. Do you ever feel the the internal clock? Because I know women have it. Um, I've heard it. It's like I only have a few yeah. years to have children, and I you know I don't even have a husband, and it's just one of those things. Does that, do guys get get that? Because I got married fairly young. I think I was 25 when I when I tied the knot. Um, no, was I 25 or was I 30? How old am I now? I was around 25, 26. Do you get that internal clock? Like, oh boy, not getting any younger. It's not a clock the same way it is for women. Because I will say that like, I'm 30 years old. You start dating a girl who's 30 years old and, and her clock is ticking. And, and that's, that's like a thing. Um, 
But for me, it's not about, it's more about the pressure, I guess. Even, even just like, I don't know, not to be all cheesy, but like society pressure, like what's normal, what's considered, um, I don't know, like, like a regular path. And usually at age 30, most people want to be married or having kids or settled down. At least divorced ones. Yeah. (laughs) So I, but no, it doesn't bother me. I, I have way too much of a good time doing my own thing and, and I don't get bored. I don't get, I don't worry about it. And now just the right one will come along and I'm just going to keep doing my thing in the meantime. You didn't sound too convincing, Tim. Not, you know what I mean? I know you're good enough. You, you want it. Yeah. It bothers you a little bit. It's okay. You can open up here. It, it doesn't. I mean, yeah, obviously everyone wants to find that person, but no, it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't bother me. Cause honestly, I, I wouldn't have left everything that I left behind in Boston to come here. If that was something that I was worried about. You would have married a local Boston girl, just like the fighter, Mark Wahlberg, and she would have worked in a local tavern, and you would have been doing pavement work, concrete work. It would have been just like every Boston movie, Good Will Hunting, The Fighter. <laughs> every movie, the guy is like a construction worker, and the girl's like just working in the bar and you know getting hit on by creeps, and you come and save her. There's still time for that. Oh, God. Fingers crossed. I can only dream. Would you go back to Boston? Uh, I mean, that's such a broad question, but no. Pretty, My pretty next... specific. No, because, okay, on what timeline? <laughs> I don't it's, No, no plans to go back to Boston. If I, if I moved from Traverse City, I would go somewhere else. A little hockey talk. I just saw an article about Nick Ritchie. He obviously left the Bruins, signed with Toronto. Toronto made a couple low-key, like, under-the-radar moves, signing Cache and Ritchie. And they're already talking about Richie being potentially a top six forward. Do you see this happening? I didn't watch him much in Boston, but he didn't look to me like a top six guy. Are they just kind of blowing him up like he's a power forward? He's great. He's going to do great things. We're going to pair him. He's going to be our new Zach Hyman. Because that's what they tried to do in Chicago with me, with Bufflin being gone. Not to this extent, but I remember when I signed there, Everyone was like, well, we lost Bufflin. He was a big body. He played defense. He played forward. You're going to replace Dustin Bufflin. I had to, like, correct so many reporters and people saying, I am nowhere near Dustin Bufflin. If you think this is going to be, like, one of these magic shows where the coach does something special with the player and all of a sudden he unlocks all these skills that I have, you're, you're going to be mistaken. Is this what's happening in Toronto where they think he's just going to step into Zach Hyman's role? Because I don't think he has the same skill set as Hyman, but – like Richie, I don't know. He he is he good? I don't even know him. He definitely doesn't have the skill set that Hyman has. What he does have going for him is that he was a first round pick. And I feel like that pedigree just kind of lingers. And GMs just hang on to like that potential and that sort of um I don't know, it's a label, right? And he's a big boy, he's a big frame. I want to say six four. He's not afraid to fight, not the toughest guy in the league, but he'll chuck him when he has to. Um and I think he can put up like a solid points. If he's if they're talking about putting him with like Matthews and Marner or like Nylander and Tavares or whatever combination they do. I mean, I don't know if he's, if he's, if he plays a role of like, I'm not saying he's this good, but like think of what Milan Lucic did to open up the ice for like Savard and Kessel or like Krejci and whoever else, because when he's throwing his weight around, he can, you know, pot a few ugly goals in front of the net and let the guys have room to 
do what they do, it, it can be an effective player. So I wonder if that's sort of the formula they're trying to replicate with Richie, with Matthews and Marner. Yeah, I beg on Hyman. Not beg on him. Like, he, he signed a terrific deal for himself. He was a good player. You know, he is a good player. He he does know his role, and he plays it to a T. I don't think Richie's quite that player. I don't think I don't think Kashe's that player. I, it'll be interesting to see how they fill out those top two lines in Toronto. And then in Boston, I don't know. And we, we've talked about this before. It's like, is Felino going to fill that spot? Who's going to be that second line center? I don't want to get too in depth on this. I know we have other stuff to talk about, but man, I don't know. It's still surprising me that Krejci, who I heard has his name in the rafters already. I think they're already just working on the stitching and the lighting and where it's going to sit and where it's going to go. But, uh, you know, it's just an interesting situation in Boston. I think they're heading in the wrong direction. By just losing that one player, it's so funny how missing out on one player and that one decision just affects the whole structure of a team so much, doesn't it? Because if you put him in the mix, you put him on the second line that pushes everybody else down, it just makes their lineup so much stronger. That young kid you were talking about, he's not ready for the second line. He struggled last year in the AHL a little bit. You give him a little more breathing breathing room to grow and to develop and don't put him in that pressure situation. He can grow a little more. It just it makes everything easier if he comes back. But it's just funny how one little decision, you know what, I'm going to go home and play in front of my family, in front of my friends, this and that. It just changes everything. Absolutely. Right. And the same thing happened with Chicago. I don't want to beat this point to death. If Mark andre Fleury does not go to Chicago this year, if he says, I retire, it's a completely different team. Now they're a Stanley Cup contender. If he's not there, they're not. They're a maybe going to eke in with the eighth overall pick. It's just I, I find that interesting, that one player in a team sport, in a 20-guy you're dressing roster, 23 guys on the team, one decision from one guy in the summer affects the whole just – direction of the franchise it really does it's it's kind of interesting it's like that butterfly effect like you're talking about like oh kg being gone and who they're gonna fill in do you think like do guys in the in the league or guys on that team like have their own ideas or are they like taking out a, a pencil and paper like filling out the lines how they might arrange it in their head or or are they just kind of doing their own role and let the coaches and gms handle the rest well you you have i would say little to no input if you're a player yeah and and, and you see it throughout the the league like I doubt McDavid has any input in Edmonton and he's arguably has the most power in the whole NHL he he is you know the best player he's in a Canadian market he he's all over Canada on every commercial every this and that and he I doubt he has any input Austin Matthews same thing maybe Crosby has a say but I doubt it you know maybe when Rutherford was there they had a good relationship he could get his input on players who he should bring in but very very rare do you have that kind of thing when I one of the most interesting year on meetings that I had was when I was in, Oh, where was it? I want to say it was Minnesota or Buffalo. It was early on in my career. And the GM, he asked all the players. I think he asked all the players like, Hey, is there anybody around the league who you think we should take a run at? Is there anybody you know of that, you know, is not happy? Is there anybody who you think is getting a raw deal who is just not performing? Cause it's that situation. And I said Dylan Strome. So it must have been after I was in Arizona, or I can't remember where it was. It wouldn't, must have, I don't know, where did I see Dylan Strome? I can't remember. Chicago? Whatever it was. But I, I mentioned Dylan Strome. I was like, this kid's good. You know, he got a raw deal. He, he obviously hasn't produced yet. And the GM, I don't think any did anything with it. But maybe it was Stan Bowman. I can't remember. Maybe he did do something with it. But 
very rare do you get that kind of input. It's not like basketball where LeBron walks in. He's like, I want this guy and this guy or else you're fired when he's looking directly at the coach. So we don't have that kind of input. I don't think players want that kind of input, but to answer the other question, the guys do look at who you have in the roster uh, now that I'm retired, I go and, you know, visit these teams sometimes. And I, and I talk to the captain, the assistant captain, the guys who have been there a while. And they're like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to stink this year. This is not our year. And then they're just being frank because they like, no one's around and they're just being normal. And they literally are just telling me, yeah, this is going to be a tough year. We have all rookies. We have no good players coming in and it's just going to be painful. And it, it's interesting to hear that mindset going into a season because, I knew going into some seasons whether we were going to be good and whether we were going to be bad. And, and it's tough coming to camp. Like when I went to Arizona, we were expected to be garbage. We had no stars really in our lineup. Our best player on paper was Antoine Vermette, who's a good player, but he's most well-known for his face-offs. And then luckily the, the rookies panned out with a Tobias Ryder and Max Domi, uh, Anthony Duclair, Jordan Martinuk, all these young guys, they really, you know, took another they, – they, they took to the game. And Oliver ekman Larson had a good season, but gosh. And then it's, it's such a difference going into a season where it's like, we're going to win the Stanley Cup. And I was on a few teams that did that. The Chicago Blackhawks was one. The San Jose Sharks, even though we finished so terrible, everyone was like, we're going to win the Cup this year. Like, this is our season. We got a raw deal last year. We got swept by the LA Kings after we were up three rep. And, you know, we're going to come back and we're going to win the cup. And it's just a cool kind of environment to be a part of when it's like everyone was confident. Everybody just knew we were going to win. So, I don't know. But players do talk. You know, they they see who we sign. They see who other teams sign. Like, I bet you teams are looking at a team like uh, who signed a bunch of guys this year who just got a lot better, like the Leafs. Like, oh, these guys are juggernauts. They're looking at Boston. Oh, they, you know, they're okay. They're looking at all these other teams. All the Avalanche kept everybody and they got Darcy Kemp for. They're going to be tough. They're like, oh, Edmonton, we stink again. Like McDavid thinks about that when he's talking to Dreinsidel and Darnell Nurse. Like he's like, how can we get any worse? It's it's painful. So I don't know. Long-winded answer, Tim. That was a long one. You had enough time to go and get another beer. Yeah, another beer. So what's uh, the beer of choice at the Wurzburger household? This is actually a Michigan beer. Um, well, it's it's called Black Rocks. Uh, My, yeah, it's from Black Rocks called Micus IPA. It's really good. It's probably my favorite one right now. I like the Black Rocks. I think it's called 5K or... Yeah, 51K. 51K. That's my favorite Black Rock beer. It's very enjoyable. This one's better, I think. You should you should try it. Is it an IPA? Yeah, it's pretty new, I think. Or it's, I know. It hasn't been... Big, Black, 51K is an IPA. But it's not. It's more like a Pilsner or a lager. I am like getting old to where I just, I just want an easy drink of beer. And I think I've told you this before. We need to get a, a beer sponsor on the show. Because we, we used to do that back in the day. I know. Like, I like myself some Labatt Blue Light. I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I, how about Danielle? <laughs> we, um, we went on a little date the other, the other night. I think we talked about it on the show. But so we like to have a drink um, before we go on the date. And so she goes in the party store. And I was like, just get me one. I don't want to go, you know, too nuts. I, whatever. I just wanted one beer. And she comes out with a tall boy. That's like, how many ounces was it? I think it was 36 ounces. And I'm like, Daniel, that's four beers. Or no, it was like, it was, it was the equivalent of four beers. It was like one of those massive uh, Magnum in a can beers. Like what is happening here? She's like, it's only one. I thought it was only two. So anyway, that was fun. But I don't know. Labat Blue Light. That's my beer. What else are we talking about, Tim? 
So I don't know. We've got a lot of questions, and basically the purpose of this podcast was just to talk a little bit and not not talk about hockey, talk about ourselves or or just whatever. Um, and one of the questions we kept getting a lot of, um, and I know you've told this story, but it's been a while. Like how how the show started because. You know, I can I can tee this up a little bit. Obviously, everyone knows about the All Star Game. You retired kind of shortly thereafter, and I know you sort of got like a ton of job offers, right, from different networks and everything, mostly in Canada and New York. And then you kind of rejected all those and said, "I'm going to do my own thing." Well, how did that all happen? You just said it. What do you mean? Is that, is well, that, is that it? Well, that in a nutshell, I, I think people have heard this and. I'll I'll try to get a little more detail, but it was interesting. I think people saw I have a somewhat okay personality and I was doing interviews out the yin yang after that like literally people would come to my house and we would do an interview it was funny that winter NBC Sports came to my house and they wanted to do an interview and it snowed so bad they couldn't get up my driveway all my neighbors were like there's a massive like semi truck parked out <laughs> in front of the neighborhood and it can't get up the hill and it's got NBC on the side I'm, I'm assuming this is you and it was just, you know, it got out of hand. There was a lot of interviews, a lot of press, all this stuff that goes along with that big story. But anyways, after that, like, because I did some hits with Sportsnet, because I did some hits with TSN during the whole free agent thing, thing in the summer, I was on Leafs lunch quite a bit. I, they did offer me, you know, a position. They're like, if, if you want to move to Toronto, we could make this worthwhile and you could be, you know, a part of the show. I don't know where we would start. You would start on Leafs lunch, we could, you know, you could get on TSN, you could have some hits on air, but mostly you'd start on the radio and we'd move you up. And that's what you see. Like um, Jeff O'Neill did that. Um, who else did that? A couple of the guys have done that. That's, that's where they start. That's where they kind of get their feet wet and they move on their way up. So they offered that to me. It wasn't great salary. It was okay. The big drawback was uh, I would have to move to Toronto. And, you know, I just put my wife through the ringer of an NHL career. We moved around for the better part of 12 years. And I was like, okay, we want some stability. So we didn't do that. We Same thing with ESPN. I'm sure we could have done that. And they were sniffing. And everybody was just kind of interested in what I was going to do. And I just didn't do anything. I came back here and I just was like, I'm done. I, I don't want to be a part of that. I just want to check out. And that's what I did for about a year and then my neighbor who was your boss at the time we um we just started chatting we used to have it was we just we used to have beers in the driveway all the time to the point where i i had an old couch i put like wheels on it and i would wheel it in and out of my garage and we would just have beers so often regularly in the in the driveway it was just it made sense pull the couch out lock the wheels have a couple beers hang out and it was great well he, he mentioned he's like you should do a podcast and i had no idea really what podcasts were and so he's like, yeah, come on into the office and we'll just play around a little bit. And so I go in there. I think the first episode, we just talked about fighting. No, and the first one was where have I been? You kind where of have I been? It. Yeah, that's right. And, and it was just basically a recap. I think it had been a year and a half since I, you know, did anything. I wasn't big on social media. I didn't do anything. I had, like I said, been doing some interviews. I think I wrote a book. I was on that TV show. So it's not like I just curled up in a hole, but anyways, Fast forward, we did that first episode, and then it was like a sporadic thing where I was like, okay, there was no set timetable. It was like, okay, that's done. Now what? And then I came in like two weeks later, and we did another one. Then we did another one, and then we did another one. And then it just kind of snowballed. And I, th- I remember the first time it was real was when I interviewed Colt Nor. I was super nervous. I was like, what am I doing? Is this a thing, or am I just messing around? And I interviewed him, and it was fun. It was great. I think we got a lot of good feedback. And it slowly started to snowball after that. Then 
how did you come into the mix? Because I know I did it with my neighbor, who's John Aiken. We're not neighbors anymore, but he wasn't a huge hockey guy, but we had a good rapport where we just go back and forth. We were just buddies chatting. And I think I needed someone who knew hockey. And he's like, oh, yeah, Tim in my office knows hockey. You should, we should get him in here. And, and I don't know. You can probably elaborate more. Yeah, I mean, he um, – I, so I did a little – before we get into it, this solo episode back in November of last year where I tell the whole story. If you haven't heard it, go back and listen. It's, it's the whole story of how I got involved, and um, I think it's kind of cool. But just to quickly No, it's one of our yeah. bottom three episodes, yeah. <laughs> no, Jonathan, very well. Um, it, it, it was cool because, like, obviously I knew who you were, and, and I was, like, the prototypical hockey fan that hated your guts – and then totally went 100 miles an hour the other way after the All-Star thing and, and the Players' Tribune articles and all that. And when he said that you were, like, in Traverse City and recording his stuff, and I just wanted – I thought, okay, I got to meet him one time. That'll be cool. And then, um, yeah, then I started, like, working a little bit more on your account and, and helping you build the show, arranging interviews. I remember doing Colton Orr. I remember doing Cam Jansen. Those are the first couple that we did. And then at some point you asked me to come on, and I was like – Okay, I guess. And then, yeah. And then here we go. Like it, it happened more and more. And then we started recording multiple episodes a week and um, really pushing the social media and all that and kind of took off. And it's weird to think like how far we've come. And I know it's such a you know cheesy thing to say, cliche, but like what took us probably or took you, you know, before I even came on a year to hit a certain number threshold. We do that every month now. And it's just, it's just wild to think about, um, how far we've come, how much we've grown, and 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 all the ideas and all the things we, we have planned. It's not going to stop. We're going to keep getting bigger. So it's fun. It's funny. I don't want to get too big. I honestly don't. I'm happy with where we're at. Tim wants to grow this into like a juggernaut. I'm like, you know what? Let's just stay right where we're at. I like it. Oh. We're a small little podcast. Nice little following. It's fun. But anyways, we uh, Tim and I, Soldier John, we had a lot of guys. We had Larry jump in for a little bit we had that guy who was in the army jump on Sam. he came on for one or two for a little bit so we've had people kind of come in and out but i think tim and i are the the lone wolves who have stuck around but it's you know i still get uncomfortable during interviews sometimes or sometimes i don't want to talk to guys and it's just painful you know and like when we talked to cider that was a tough one he's just a young kid he doesn't want to talk and he's just kind of goofy he's a great kid i'm sure we'd have a great time but it was a painful interview like, I don't. I don't think so. I think it was good. I think that was a great interview. My favorite one was he, David Backus. It was just. Was, I think just because I have so much in common with him. That was awesome. Brian Boyle was a standout one for me too. That was a great interview. Remember that one? How could I forget? That guy was unbelievable. But yeah, it, it's been fun. It's been a good show. I'm glad we've done it. We're growing like crazy. Hockey fights. Things are. I know people don't care right now. What else we got to talk about? What. Uh... Uh, besides uh, one of the questions that we got a couple of times actually was obviously you have the show, you do some part-time work, um, engineering, you have the daughters keeping you very busy. Do you have any hobbies that you kind of keep up with right now? Anything that interests you? Oh man. You know, my house, it's, it's funny how like doing renovations and fixing things and building things, it's become a little hobby of mine to where I'm like, okay, I got my tools. I got things getting better. You know, I, I have the essentials and it's just been fun. It's like, okay, something breaks. I could either hire it out or I could try to fix it myself. Like when the toilet filled up and it got backed up, I tried my darndest to fix that. And I was like, this is beyond me, but it's just little things like that. Oh, the roof needs that redone. I'm going to do it myself. 
oh, we're going to build a pergola. I'm going to do it myself, which I built a pergola this past weekend. It's beautiful. What is that? You don't know what a pergola is? No. It's like a structure outside. It has like lattice on top, kind of chunkier, beefier. Then it has big posts and kind of blocks the shade. It kind of. Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And you have vines going around it too. Eventually. We're gonna put we're gonna put lights up on the top and make it all fancy, but I don't know. Not real any hobbies. My hobbies are my kids. You know, it's just people think I have all this free time and I have all this stuff, and they do the same thing with my wife. It's like no, like my life is like after I go to like we're gonna press end record here. It's gonna be ten p.m. I sleep for five hours. I have an adoration hour from four to five. If you're Catholic, you know what I'm talking about. I get done with that. I have to drive out to Northport where my rental house is because the garbage hasn't picked up in two weeks. Apparently I just got an email from my neighbor saying, yeah, your garbage is kind of overflowing and nobody's picked it up for two weeks. What's going on. I've been paying for garbage pickup. I actually called last week. Go, I have to go grab garbage bags, like probably 10 of them, put them in my car, drive them back to my house. I'm going to go to work after that. Then I have to go to the County to talk about getting permits to, so we can start digging for the barn because I want to get that rolling. That's just been painfully slow. And that's just all before 10 AM. So it's just like, we have a busy life, so I don't have time for hobbies. Like it'd be nice if I could sit down like you and read the great Gatsby while pondering my life. It's like, it's just not going to happen. It's not going to uh, happen. You know me we so well. Very busy life. So we do church, we do work and I do the podcast. That's all I do. That tells are my three things. Sports. Uh, not com- I don't do sports. I don't do activities. The girls, the girls. Yeah. The baseball done. Thank goodness. That was also a pain. It's like, it's fun to see them have fun. Young kids' sports, painfully boring. It is. Any parent can tell watch. you this. And, and then the one like positive is there's like one kid who's like really good who can catch and throw and hit the ball. It's like, man, that kid's good. And, you know, it wasn't my kids, but it was like the one kid who practices every day and like their parents really take it serious. Like, I, yeah, I, I think I'm not doing my kids a service or I'm doing them a disservice because I'm like, I'm not going to take you to the park and teach you how to hit i should have we just it was a tough it was a tough july it was a busy july do you have any irrational fears what does that mean like not afraid like afraid of something that's not really realistic like um i don't know you're afraid of falling off a bridge even though you don't cross any bridges no no or any other fears i have honestly anything specific and i'm being totally frank with you no i i I can't think of one thing that i'm scared of and i'm not trying to be macho i'm not trying to be i'm a tough guy i just uh, i i I don't think i'm i don't think i have that much thought process into things i'm just like i'm not scared i used to be kind of easily grossed out by things but now that i've had kids i'm like i do anything (laughs) i touch anything i eat anything i'm just like and i think that's because you don't want your kids to see you a be grossed out by things or a be scared, B be scared or C show. Up. I don't know. It's just, I, I honestly don't. Maybe my wife would give you a different answer, but I don't think I'm scared of anything. I should poke my head out the door and see if she's there, but no, I don't know. What do you, what do you have, Tim? I have a, I have a few, I have, I have a top three for fears. Uh, the number three would be crocodiles slash alligators. I've been trying to figure out the difference. I've read it a hundred times. I can't, I can, I still can't look at one and know which one it is. But don't, just, don't the crocodiles have a shorter, wider mouth and the alligators are longer, skinnier? Probably. I know the crocodiles will see you in a while and alligators will see you later. 
That's yes. how you. That's how you tell the difference. We can get that cut it out. That's uh, terrible. I just feel like, uh, yeah, I'd rather, I'd way rather face like a lion than a crocodile. Did you, did you tee that whole thing up for that terrible joke? Were you thinking earlier? It's like I'm going to say <laughs> no. this is going to get a huge laugh. John's going to love it. We we just had dozens of people just burst out in laughter. No. Uh, second one painful second one is is uh i'm afraid of going down like a slide and having like a little nail stick up and like gut me open like a fish imagine that no it'd be the worst way to die or get get hurt i would never like a a nail sticking up and just gone you just gut it open like a deer and that uh, sounds terrible yeah and number one is sinkholes they just they come how are you even like all three of these things you'll never encounter in your whole life i never that's not true sinkholes come when you least expect them that's the thing about them well yeah they, you can say that you you find something in the last place you look for it obviously yeah i, I never imagine just you're just somewhere and the earth just swallows you whole and you're just no, gone i will never imagine that because i'm not a weirdo are you this is this is the definition of like you're stressing yourself out for no reason. I don't know. You need, you need to be way more worried about sinkholes. I don't need to be worried about anything. Anytime. I purposely shelter myself off from everybody and everything just because I enjoy my life the way it is. Is that wrong? I don't think it's wrong. I got to figure it out. I don't need much. I need a, I don't need much, Tim. I'm very, I don't even buy clothes. I just What's the, <laughs> get stuff given to me and I wear it. What's the next house project? We got to build a barn. Yeah. I just got an email from the township guy. He's like, this looks like a house. This doesn't look like a home office. Cause I was trying to zone it as a home office. So I didn't have to partition off any land. I'm like, it is a home office. I'm going to work in there. But he's like, it has a kitchen and it looks oh. like it, you're going to have like a shuffleboard in there. I'm like, it's a home office. <laughs> <laughs> so now I got to do a couple more things and pull permits. And it's just going to be a pain. It's going to cost me more money. That's all it is. It's going to cost me another 1200 bucks, 1500 bucks in permits and new drawings. And I got to get a surveyor out here to portion off to, it's just another thing for the government. Take their piece of the pie. This is my land. I bought it. I should be able to build a million houses on here if I want to, but no, no, I can't stupid government. I have another question. We talked a lot about uh, your college career and playing against guys like Bacchus and, and it was like Vanek and Pavelski, Zach Parisi like and yeah. Thomas Vanek and Johnny Taves and all those guys. Did how well like were you? Did you know those names while you were there? Like were you game planning for those guys, or did you kind of realize after like, whoa, I played against these superstars? Well, a lot of the times they had already been drafted, right? Because you get drafted, then you go to college. So we knew Thomas Vanek. We knew Minnesota. I think they had they had the huge specimen. They had another tall defenseman. They had Thomas Vanek. They had um, Danny Ehrman. They had Troy Riddle. They had like a stack team. Denver, Colorado had a, a few guys as well. They won like the national championship two years in a row. So, yeah, you know these guys. I didn't know David Backus just because he wasn't a highly t- touted guy. But, yeah, you knew Johnny Taves. You knew Zach Parisi. They had Matt Smaby. They had a lot of high-end guys. And it was fun. It was the best division in hockey. I remember – my freshman year, I went and I had a good first weekend where I played well. I think I got an assist. The front page of the USCHO is like United States College Hockey Online. It was a picture of Zach Parisi and myself side by side. And it was like, young players getting it done early. And I was uh, like, yeah, buddy. 
And like, obviously our careers took off differently. He went on to like compete for the Hobie and I just steady as she goes, but yeah, you know who you're playing against. Like it, it was easy to get up for games because we were the ugly, you know, redheaded stepchild in that division. And we played these juggernauts week in and week out. It was Minnesota, it was Colorado, it was Denver, it was Wisconsin. It was all these like national championship winning teams. And it was fun going into these buildings where they're like, who is Michigan tech? And then we would get, you know, wiped out, but the odd game would win one. And it was fun. And it was good for me to develop. I got to play against a like really, really good competition at a time when no one really respected college, but now like this year, Michigan had what three guys drafted in the top 10. Four in the top five. Four in the top. Four in the top five. Yes. Shows you One, how two, much four, five. To draft, and they didn't even win the national championships. It shows you how much, like how good college hockey is when you get four of the top five draft picks and you can't even win the national championships. So there you go. That's that's the thing too. When I see like conversation on social media about like you just being a plug or pigeon or whatever word they want to use, it's like even I mean aside from the fact that you played in the NHL, like. In normal people terms, you still played D1 hockey for your skill. You weren't even fighting at that point. That was, that was based on your talent alone was D1 hockey, right? I got in one fight in college hockey on the ice. gotten a bunch off. I remember we played Team Italy, and we beat them, but they were playing dirty. They were, like, trying to low bridge us and take out our knees. I got kicked out of the game because some Italian guy summaried me, and I just I was pissed. I stood up and just started unloading on We caught them on the, on the street. And they were talking smack, like, oh, you, you know, Americans, you think you're all, and we beat, beat, beat the junk off of them. Like, I'm talking in the middle of the street, Team Italy, we're just dragging them through the snow, like, just dummy. They didn't know what a street fight was. And we're like, we had guys from Alberta, we had guys from Ontario, we had all these, like, just nobody cared. And God, I felt bad for that Team Italy. They must have gone on that plane, just beat up, broke a note, the cops came. They're like, what's going on? And we told we knew the college like the team Italy running there flapping their gums, you know, and that's what happened. And they they learned you don't mess around on the UP baby. Like it was it was not even close. I still to this day can picture Brad Sullivan just knocking someone's teeth out. Like it was just. And you know what we should have did afterwards? We should have to really let it sink in. Was do the ole ole. I wish we would have done that, but we didn't. It was I'm picturing like the outsiders, like the the Soches and the Greasers, just guys, just street fighters in the park. It was literally outside of the gas station at like 3 a.m., like 8 on 8 or 10 on 10. It wasn't the whole team, but it was the ones who were going out, and I was usually a part of that crew. And, man, did they they were not expecting us to like just start swinging. I'm not saying we didn't get the first jump. We did, but they, you know, they had it coming, those Italians. Those Italians. Were, you guys, were they the same age as you guys? They were much older. They were the Italian national team. So okay. they were much, much older. So they were, I would say they were in their 30s or late 20s. And I was like 20, you know. And we had a lot of guys who were, you know, 20, 21, 22. But we were in shape. We knew what we were doing. Like I, I grew up doing that sort of thing, fighting, you know, in the bars and stuff. So I knew exactly how to handle myself. I've had multiple times where I've had knives pulled on me and stuff. And a funny story when I was growing up, this was later on when I was a little bit older kids, you might want to not listen to this story, but it's all right. Sorry. It's, it's not that bad. I, I like was getting into a fight in the street and some guy pulled the knife out and I'm like, I've ne- this is the first time I've ever like had this happen to him. I was like, okay, what do I do? And I'm like backing up. I was like, do I run away? Do I like take my shirt off to like block it? And I didn't know what to, I was like running through the Rolodex of like movies I had seen. Okay, what do we do? You control the knife. 
Next thing I know, my buddy comes out of nowhere and just suckers him from the side. And pull, you don't pull a knife in a straight fight. And the guy just out cold on the floor. It was a great, it was a great moment in my life. Cause you don't do that. That's, that's, that's too much. That's when I knew it was time to stop doing that sort of thing. And I stopped after that for the most part. Uh, only when needed. Well, you know, only when needed, there was some times somebody needs to bit, you know, get set straight. And it, it I think that's good old-fashioned justice, and I, I, I'm totally full for it. Yeah. All right, Tim, is this enough? What do you mean? Are you I done gotta talking? Get up. I got to get up in a couple hours. I got to go. My wife started. How about my wife's outside playing violin? She's a saint. She's great. <laughs> she just loves playing uh-huh. violin. She goes outside. We got a nice piece of property. She's out there just dragging the horse hair. That's what I call it. You married up, John. I did. My, I, Trust me. I know. <laughs> Uh, we you think your girls will play hockey at all? No, no. Would you let them? Yeah, of course. I don't think they want to. Maybe this is things here. There's no options. Like there's a girls league. It's not that good. They have like, they have to drive all over the state to get games in. It's not like they have five or six teams in the house league here where you can just play or there's a, a competitive girls league. So I don't know what I'll do. They're getting to that age where, where I got to start getting them into sports. Like they're seven and nine. It's like, ugh. It's time. I, I wanted to do something, but it's just like I'm lazy. I'm just lazy. I got so much. Like, I got to get him into golf. That that's one, and I got to get him into something else. Baseball is fun, but I don't really like it. Would you if they if they started taking hockey seriously? Would you get into coaching? Um, yeah, I would. I think it'd be fun. Danielle, come here. Come here real quick. We'll ask her if, if I have any fears. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I have a million questions for her. Well, it, it's an interesting question, and I don't know if I'm getting – um, say hi. Hi. So we were talking about Tim for some reason wanted to know if I had any irrational fears. And he said his irrational fears are like getting eaten by a crocodile and like going down a water slide and hooking himself on a nail and going through a sinkhole. Like that's insane. Yeah, Do I have any great. irrational fears? Let's <laughs> just see the look on her face. Rodents? Well, I don't think that's irrational. We have mice. I'm just, I'm not scared of them. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, you have bad dreams about them. Because they ruin my life. <laughs> <laughs> so we've, we've been having issues with mice in the property. Hold on. Before that. What? You're having nightmares about the mice? One, one dream I had of a mice crawling on me. <laughs> Danielle, so, I want to I hear Danielle's side of the story. He like wakes up like scrambling, patting the bed because he thinks there's mice in the bed. He's just, yeah. Yeah, one time I had a bad dream about a mouse crawling on me. That's not an irrational fear. I don't know. Yeah. So hold on. John, did you think of that and didn't say it or you didn't remember that? I don't think that's an irrational fear. I'm not scared of mice. I kill them all the time, like with my hands and feet. I step on them. I grab them. I kill them all the time. I'm not scared of a mouse. That's not an irrational fear. Sound like you're a little scared. I'm not. No, I, I don't like mice. I don't. Any, what, someone, Danielle's thinking. What else does she have? Someone breaking into the house. I think is irrational a little bit. I'm not scared of that. I'm cautious of. I lock a door. You guys are nuts. I, I'm not irrational. I wouldn't say you have any irrational fears, but those are. Sorry, I don't want my family to get murdered, and then I don't like mice in my house. Oh, I'm so crazy. You guys. Yeah, if you're waking up like in the middle of the night sweating from a little mouse on your back. I wasn't sweating. I had a bad dream about a mouse crawling on. So what? (laughs) And it might have been real. I don't know. It was dark. 
We have mice issues. I took care of it. I must have killed, not even exaggerating, since we've moved here during the construction phase, two dozen mice. I haven't seen one in my house since. It's been great. I killed one the other other day. I killed one the other day with a trap, mouse trap. Your house is very, I think your house is going to fall down. Every time I walk up those stairs, I'm like, this is dangerous. Uh, Well, okay. It's not my house though. I live in an apartment. I would never live in a house that was falling apart. Your apartment but, is falling apart. It's you yeah. need to get a house. Housing prices yeah. are they're they're very high though, Tim. I know. I'm looking. All right, let's wrap this up. No one cared. Everybody's not listening anymore. I gotta go. Thank this you, is- everybody, for listening. We will get to more hockey talk on Friday. Who are we gonna have on the show, Tim? Very exciting. We have Ryan Graves come on, who's the defenseman from Colorado who just got traded to New Jersey. So it'll be good to get his take on what's happening in Colorado, their playoff runs, and what he's looking forward to. For the devil. So that'll be a good one. Yeah. Big body, six foot five, going to add a big chunk of size to that team. We'll talk to him. Well, they've had some big signings in New Jersey, getting Dougie Hamilton, kind of turning that team around. And I want to get the insight on Colorado. What was that like? All the pressure, all the expectations, and kind of the letdown. What it was like in the locker room playing with those guys. Do they talk about a salary? Do they, do they talk about why we're not paid more if, if we need more? Nathan McKinnon just had an article came out about him, how intense he is in the locker room. It'll be interesting to get his take, see how open he is to some questions. Yeah, I don't know. He's a young kid. Maybe he doesn't want to you know, open up the box a little bit too much. He was excited to come on, so I bet I bet he'll open up a little bit. So hopefully, well, why wouldn't why one. wouldn't he be? We're one of the top 100 hockey podcasts in the country. It's beautiful. We're doing great. We're really doing great. Top and 50. on that note, we really appreciate everybody's support. Go hit the uh, like button on the screen, and um, we will talk to you guys with Ryan Graves on Friday. Cheers, everybody. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.